your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 538 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week. And it's uh, we are coming to you uh, late at night on the heels of a very, very, uh, I'm just going to say it, not great effort by the Montreal Canadiens. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, you and I both had a lot of positives coming out of last week where we thought the team um, was learning some lessons and playing with a little bit of pride. And then they went into Minnesota tonight and decided uh, none of that mattered anymore. They lost 8-2. It was not a particularly close game. And it, it's just more of the same that we've seen for most of this year. And it's it seems to be reaching a breaking point, a nexus, whatever you want to call it. Everyone just seems fed up with it at this point. A number of people, such as Josh Anderson, Dominique Ducharme, so on, said that they had to forget about this game, move on, throw it in the garbage, throw it out the window. They said things like that. They've been saying things, not using the exact same metaphors and terminology, But they've been saying things like that since the first game of the season that they lost. You know, they got to forget about this game, move on. They got to get back to their game. They got to not let that game get get them down or whatever. It's true that we've seen some positives in the last few games. This wouldn't be the first time, right? Like the Canadians have had momentum in consecutive games, even if they didn't win those games in the past. But those instances have been few and far between and not sustained. Personally, for me, what I'm wondering is Jeff Gorton is there. Kent Hughes is there. They're traveling with the team and trying to get to know it and trying to get to know the dynamic. They're trying to get to know the coaches. And I'm really, really interested to see what conclusions they draw from here. They've talked about not firing the coach. And that's something that a lot of the fans have been clamoring for. I mean, personally, you and I aren't a big fan of his methods and his system. I am not going to sit here and pretend to tell you that I, uh, I know how to coach an NHL team, but the results and the structure and the process on the ice, it's clearly indicative that there is something missing in this system, in, in, in the coaching philosophy, strategy, whatever you want to call it. They give up way too many shots. It's a joke. It's a running joke, obviously. When we're talking, you know, we, we got to find some humor somewhere in the season. And one of them is the number of shots that they can manage to give up these poor goalies. I, you know, I think Caden Primo started the game pretty well and then it all went to hell. And then Dominique Ducharme claimed that he wanted to protect his goalie. So he took him out. Michael McNiven made his NHL debut to a five, seven, one save percentage. I don't think that the decisions are sound personally. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think that they're going to fire the coach once they've said, 
that they weren't going to. I think it's entirely possible that they hire a consulting coach actually, uh, kind of have that person try and build some structure because there's still half the season left. It's not just us that have to endure half the season. It's the players themselves as well. What I'm really concerned about is stalling development. A lot of the players on this team are young. A lot of these players on this team are like just on the cusp of or entering their prime. This is ruining their development. This cannot be good for them. So what I would do in Kent Hughes' position, I put that question out to our followers on Twitter. Uh, one person said, kill it with fire. Uh, when I asked, you know, if I were Kent Hughes, if you were Kent Hughes, what would you do? Uh, somebody said, kill it all with fire. Somebody said, I'd take a vacation, which I really appreciated. Um, and somebody said, i pull all my hair out. Uh, hey, Blaine. Uh, um, and to me, if I'm Kent Hughes, I hire a quote unquote coaching consultant who's actually going to undo the damage that the current head coach is doing for this development. That's the only idea I've got unless they want to fire the coach, which they've clearly said they're not going to. And obviously there will be trades. I 100% expect there to be trades, especially since people are knocking on the door asking for Arturi Lekkinen. I, I think that's going to happen. But in the short term, if they want to ensure that these players develop for the future, they need to do something. The whole thing about this that gets me is that it's like, we wanted to protect Caden Primo. Okay, I understand that. Uh, then the first thing you do is you gave up the breakaway to Kirill Kaprizov. And just the effort from some of the people on this team is non-existent. Veterans that you would expect to be better. It doesn't matter who's in net. They're just getting hammered because the system sucks. It, it doesn't exist. It's just... It, all these goalie performances the last week or so papered over everything that's wrong with their system. They give up a metric ton of shots. And then if their goalie has an otherworldly game, they get to overtime and lose, which is, you know, fine, but there's no process there. It's just dumb luck. And it, it, it doesn't work. I don't know how else to look at this and just know it's not working right now. And the power play, terrible. Five on five, terrible. The penalty kill, terrible. They just hung their goalies out to dry. You were down to your fifth choice goaltender this year. Assuming you were counting Carey Price as the first choice, injured or not, you were down to your literally last NHL contracted goalie and you went out there and you just let the kid get hammered for an entire period without any semblance of pride in your game. It's pathetic. And it starts from the coaching staff down. Everything I'm reading from Dominique Ducharme's post-game press conference is a guy who doesn't have any ideas. Oh, we'll just throw it in the trash. Okay, great. What are you going to do to fix it? Because I know that not every game is going to be 8-2, but you sooner or later have to figure out what you can do differently to try it at the very least. Because right now, I don't see anything at all you give up the zone you give up a ton of shots your penalty kill sucks your power play sucks you all look soulless out on the ice save for a few people on a given night and then you just stand behind the bench and look goddamn bewildered that david savard and ben Sherratt gave up another goal like it hasn't been happening for four months at this point i'm 
mystified at how this can be allowed to continue. And I get it. They're tanking and they said they're not going to fire the coach and et cetera and et cetera. But if you are a young player on this team, you are being put in the lineup. And if you have any sense in your brain, you realize you are just being fed into a meat grinder because the coach doesn't have a clue what he's doing at this point. It's so frustrating because there is talent on this team. There is a lot of talent on this team. They are better than eight wins. The Lavelle Rocket have eight wins in their last 10 games. The Montreal Canadiens have eight wins all season. Sometimes it just isn't working and the system doesn't work. And if the coach can't realize that, he should probably be unemployed at this point. And I'm... It's too late at night to have my heart rate up like this. They got blown up by the wild. Christian Dvorak got elbowed in the head. The Department of Player Safety is going to do absolutely nothing about it because they're the Department of Player Safety. It's it's so maddening and frustrating. And it's somehow not even the most maddening and frustrating part of the last couple of days. And coming up in our next segment, we are touching on the incident involving Jordan Subban, PK Subban's words with that, and so much more coming up. And that's coming up in our next segment. But first, BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the NFL playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. As always, thank you for making Lockdown Canadians your first listen of the day. Every single day of the week, we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. And very soon we are on YouTube as well. If you want to watch us on video where you can watch my face slowly melt as I discuss the Canadians coaching situation. And now to shift from the game to what happened this past weekend, uh, Saturday night in a game between the Jacksonville Icemen and the South Carolina Stingrays in the ECHL, uh, Jordan Subban tweeted uh, after the game that, I believe it was Jacksonville Iceman defenseman uh, Jacob Panetta made a racial gesture and said something to him and that he then punched him in the face because the officials allowed it to happen. There is a video of the incident. Uh, If you are going to listen to that, the crowd is also yelling a multitude of things at Jordan Subban. And it's this comes one day after a San Jose Barracuda player was suspended 30 games by the AHL for making a racial taunt or a racist taunt towards a player on the, I believe it was Ontario rain. And immediately after the game, I'm assuming Jordan probably talked to PK Subban and his brother and PK had very strong words relating to this. And then he also had uh, words after the devil's last game. He spoke, I believe for 12 minutes about everything that had happened. And uh, I'm going to let Laura discuss this in a little bit, but I want to say, there's no excuse for any of this stuff. You could say he's trying to do the tough man thing, but I, no one buys it. it. It's an ingrained, horrible thing in this sport. 
and the fact that there are people defending it and talking about how it, it this ECHL defenseman being cut from his team for this is the same thing as the issues of racism in hockey. It's not, it's terrible. And you should be ashamed for making that take. And Laura, I haven't had a chance to listen to PK's whole press conference and what he said. Um, but I know it has been extremely powerful. It's been shared all over social media today and for good reason. So it was a presser with multiple journalists asking questions. Uh, but it was mostly P.K. Subban speaking. And I really do like that they allowed him to speak and didn't try to shape the narrative themselves. They asked him uh, open-ended enough questions that he was able to freely express himself. And he was very, very honest and very, very raw. And um, he mentioned a couple of things that I thought were really important Uh, One thing that he said was, you know, early on in the pandemic, obviously, if you remember at that time, um, there were a lot of uh, protests and stuff going on as a result of the murder of George Floyd in the United States. So a lot of players, and specifically white players, were reaching out to him and other Black and uh, players of color and uh, asking, you know, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, and the conversations went well. And he said that, you know, they are, they're, they're willing to help, but at some point action has to be taken. And I think a lot of times I mean, the mistake gets made where people think that it's the onus of the victims of these incidents of racism to change the game where the onus should be on the perpetrators, right? And I think it's really, really unhelpful when, for example, Andrew Shaw decided to throw in his two cents that nobody asked for to come to the defense of Jacob Panetta, who was apparently his cousin, uh, saying, you know, there's both sides and I believe he didn't mean it as a racist taunt and all of that. And it's like, why are we so quick to jump to the defense of the person who perpetrated the racism as opposed to jumping to create a safe environment for the victims. And as PK Subban said, it's the game that loses because there are so many black, indigenous players of color, children who are going to be forced out of the game. Like the game is not providing a safe space for them. The game is going to lose. It's not the players. The players without being in hockey will probably have a lot less uh, incidents. And people try to say things like, oh, it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. Right now, we're talking about hockey. We're talking about the game of hockey. We're talking about the culture in hockey. And as, as long as you're jumping to defend the person who perpetrated the act and saying, oh, he doesn't deserve to lose his job, uh, just to, just to um, be clear or to, to clarify, uh, Jacob Panetta did get released by his team as a result of this. And the ECHL is currently investigating. And he said that he's going to cooperate. He had this video uh, apologizing to Subban and it wasn't really an apology. It was more trying to explain that it wasn't a racial gesture. Uh, what he was trying to do was the whatever it is, the strong man. What, I have no idea what, what, what that even is. Um, it was very clear to me what was going on. And to anybody who's seen this countless times at this point, especially in those, in, in those levels of hockey, at some point, there has to be a zero tolerance policy. And that's something that's a very touchy subject. And actually, P.K. Subban was asked about it as well. 
thing is you can say things like education you can say things like second chances you can say things like oh they're young or whatever but when you're at a point you're in your 20s you're a teenager at the time that you're reaching these levels the ohl the ahl the echl at this point you know what's racist and what's not and you know what you're doing when you taunt a black player with a racist gesture you know exactly what you're doing because this is not the first time it's happened this isn't the first time it's been in the news it's been talked about this isn't the first time that somebody got suspended about uh, suspended over it you know what that is and you are aiming to harm when you're doing something like that so there should be at some point there should be a zero tolerance policy and we are at that point like education is not a, and, and I'm a person who believes in restorative justice and you know people reforming themselves and all of that but at this point the fact that it's still going on in 2022 means the system has failed and the system needs to be stronger what we need to do as a society not just you know you and I Scott we're not doing this but we're seeing it everywhere people being like well maybe there is both sides maybe Andrew Shaw's right maybe Ken Campbell is right Maybe it's not, it's not fair to ruin an entire player's career over one job. Yes, it's okay for him to get released by his team because he perpetrated racism. Like, I think that we need to rush to make the environment safer for marginalized players, whatever they, whether it's, whether it's because of their race, their sexuality, anything. We have to be, like, our first instinct has to be to protect and safeguard their development in hockey and not to jump to the defense of the perpetrators and that's something that we've had to learn in this market and we keep losing listeners because we keep saying that you know we keep talking about these things and people are like oh you know what like this isn't yes it is about hockey like if you want to watch hockey if you want to be a hockey fan you have to demand better from the game because otherwise you're complicit in this you are supporting the racist you're supporting the perpetrator so we have to speak out and we have to make clear that we will not tolerate this as fans because then maybe, maybe the leagues will start listening and start taking it this more seriously. And maybe the environment in the game is going to improve. And obviously we will keep up with this depending on what else happens. And my whole last thing that I have to add to this is I don't know why you think you would be able to get away with something like this literally the day after a player was suspended in the AHL for doing the same thing. I I don't understand it. It's, it's just another incident of how hockey isn't for everyone. And we keep hoping it'll change, but right now it feels a lot like it's uh, not going to. If you ever need any resources or you want to check out anything to help make hockey truly for everyone, Please check out places like Black Girl Hockey Club. They do incredible work, uh, and I cannot recommend the work that they do enough for all that. And now comes the hard part. We're going to take a little bit of a turn here. Uh, The Canadian Olympic roster was leaked by the IIHF, and it is a very former Montreal Canadian heavy, and we will get into that coming up next. So we know what the men, the U.S. men's Olympic roster looked like. We know that Sean Farrell is going to the Olympics on Team USA. And today, the Canadian team, the uh, Canadian Olympic roster was somehow leaked uh, by the IIHF. I don't understand how or why this happened. 
But if you are much like uh, Lauren, myself, who loves playing uh, remember that guy uh, kind of thing, uh, the Canadian Olympic roster is uh, right up your alley. I'm pretty sure it's it's pretty hilarious, some of the names that are on there. But also, you know, good for them, honestly. And Laura, uh, do you have the list or do you want me to read the list off here of former Canadians uh, potentially going to the Olympics? I would like you to pull up the list while I talk about how for many, many years as a blogger, I crapped on David Dearde. And when I say that, I don't mean him the person. I didn't have anything against him the person. <laughs> I had a lot against the usage of him as a first line center, um, mostly because the Canadians did not seem to want to go get a better one. Um, and God bless him. He made the NHL. He made a pretty decent career out of it in Montreal. He, you know, he, he did everything the market demanded of him. Um, and I really, really often said that why was he not on the third or fourth line? And uh, now he is going to Beijing as part of the Canadian Olympic team. So good for you, David Dernay. Yes. So I have the list pulled up here and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people who have played in the Montreal Canadiens organization. Uh, There's Daniel Carr, who was signed out of college, had a very good rookie season, was a big AHL player for them. Eric Stahl, who is currently playing for the Iowa Wild on an on a PTO because we signed an NHL deal, he cannot go to the Olympics. Adam Cracknell, who played for the Rocket for parts of two seasons, uh, he was a big part of their veteran thing and helped get that team back on track a little bit. Uh, David Dayane, obviously uh, the longtime, much maligned one C of the Montreal Canadiens. Former uh, Rocket and Hab, Jordan Wheel. Uh, on defense, Mark Barbario, who was part of the San, uh, San Jose, St. John's Ice Caps, and in the NHL, he was claimed on waivers by the Avalanche. It was never seen again. And then one of the three goalies is Eddie Pasquale, who was an Ice Caps fan favorite in net. And I have to say, these Olympics are shaping up as someone who doesn't really have like a full rooting interest in what goes on just wants to see you know certain guys do well uh watching like daniel carr and david dayane and some of these other guys play at the olympics is going to be an absolutely wild experience weirder than brian gianta captaining team usa when they went to uh, i believe it was pyeongchang it's I I honestly can't wait. It's going to be like the Spengler Cup of that guy still plays hockey. And I'm so, (laughs) so excited. I, you know what? I want to know if Jordan Wheel got a contract to go to Beijing. He did in the KHL, that's for sure. I mean, oh man, RIP that That's an old school joke. Um, So Jordan Wheel got re-signed. And for whatever reason, lots of Habs fans just kept talking about how he had not been re-signed yet. Does he have a contract yet? That was a joke. That's a throwback to our first season here on Locked On Canadians. I'm happy for him, honestly. Like he did a lot as, as, as a Montreal Canadian as well. You know, he, he's also the kind of person who punched above his weight class and, and uh, we were happy with him. Same thing with Debbie Darnay. I, 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 can't, I can't complain. Um, the one thing that I kept getting really annoyed with is that I understand that Caden Gooley's not eligible, but I feel like 
something about that was just off to me because I thought it would be such a great idea for him to go. And I'm looking at the can Canadian defense right now. And other than Owen Power, like, do I like any of these people on this list? No, like the Owen Power is by far the best defenseman on there. And then the next one might be Jason Demers, who doesn't even have an NHL contract right now. And then where is Mark Barbario? I'm pretty sure Mark Barbario is playing in Switzerland right now because he, I'm pretty sure he was playing with um, Charles Houdon for a little while too. And I want to see where is he playing right uh, he's in the KHL playing with Akbar Kazan, and he started the season in the Swiss A-League. And on that roster with Mark Barbario is Jordan Wheel, which is just... <laughs> I cannot wait for this. I know I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I truly don't care. This is going to be one of the funniest things I've ever watched, honestly. Like... I can't wait to see what some of these like other foreign rosters end up looking like. Uh, we should go over them once we have like actual roster releases for it because we should just play. We should just make a list of all the former Habs or people that have played in this organization just to update on the show because if we're going to do Olympic updates. We should really do it like that. The former Hab thing. And then which whoever leads the team in scoring out of all of them uh, can get signed to an NHL contract to ride out the rest of the season in Montreal since we're trading everybody. Exactly. This is this is going to be so humorous. To be honest, I was so excited just because, I, you know, we'd been waiting for the NHL players to go for so long. I was excited for good quality hockey. And now I just I find that it's going to be really interesting because all these other countries are going to still be sending their best right or relatively who they have that 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 like they're they're sending people who are competent in their own markets and then we're you know the U.S. and Canadian teams are like this like mishmash of good players that are either almost going to make the NHL or are retired from the NHL and then just some random guys that happen to just make the team so I feel like it's going to be extremely comical kind of like there was there was an interestingness factor last time around, uh, but there, it was tinged with a bit of bitterness as well, because obviously it was the NHL players just they couldn't come to an agreement to go. So for me, I'm going to look at this as entertaining, to be honest. I can't I can't think of any other thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And, and you know me. I've talked about this before on the show. I will be waking up at four o'clock to watch all the cool Olympic stuff, including the hockey games. So I'm really excited to talk about them when the time comes, which is really, really soon. February's next week. Yes, we are going to watch Team Canada and Team USA, aka aka Team Some Guys, uh, take on the best from Sweden, Finland, Russia, and etc. So we will keep you posted on that. Uh, that is going to wrap up our episode for today. We will be back Tuesday night with even more for you. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow us on YouTube, Locked On Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. And you can follow myself at Scott Matla. And when you are done listening to us and making us your first listen of the day, please check out Locked On Bets. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling have all your betting needs. Make them your second listen if you really want to win some money on all your sports betting going forward. We'll see you all next time.